You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, what did you think of that Pittsburgh Steelers game today? I knew you were going to ask me some <laughs> sports question. <laughs> I just knew it. Uh, I know who they played. Who'd they play? The, the Browns. And the result of the game was? I have no idea. You're fired from the town of Pittsburgh. <laughs> ejected. But how did we do? Did we do well? Did we win the sports? Tied. Oh. Tied the sports ball. You can tie in football? Yeah. There's 15 minutes of overtime. And then if it's still tied, that's it. Bingo, bango, bongo. You're tied. Can't seal the deal. Wow. Well, then that, is that basically just like as good as a loss? Uh, No, it's better than a loss. It's a tie. <laughs> It's not like magic cards. It's not like magic where like you don't want to draw <laughs> in a tournament. You don't go into the draw bracket, no. Okay, okay. Well, that's good. That's good. How about you? Did you enjoy the sports today? Uh, I watched a little bit of the sports. Mostly I, I got a chance to stream uh, and the town parade got canceled because of the rain. So it was nice to have a day off after being in the rain with 70 kids all day yesterday. It has been raining nonstop here for like two days. Yeah, the hurricane was the worst. It's awful. Um, you were streaming M19 back at it. Can't stay away. I was. And then I had a Maz on for a little cube action. I'm currently undefeated in the Legacy Cube 2040. Wow. Waiting in the finals. Great. So uh, let's check in on that leaderboard. Yeah. So I've got 49 M19 drafts now. I tried to get it over the hump to 50, but a Maz butted in and we drafted some Legacy Cube. Um, so I've got 15 trophies and 106 and 40 overall record and a 72% win rate. And that legacy cube draft that I'm in the finals of. Very, very nice. Well, I have no idea what my M19 record is, though. I have done two comp drafts since I swore off M19, <laughs> which we'll get into a little bit later. And I have been doing some legacy cube, but getting pretty ranched. I, I got to say, I don't think I'm good at cube anymore. Why? Or maybe it's just like high variance. I can't remember the last time that I ended a cube season with a 67% or higher win rate. Yeah, I was telling Amaz that I don't like the Legacy Cube because I feel like it is high variance. Like it feels like so many of the three drops and four drops run away with the game. And like you get stuck on two lands or you lose or your opponent has a certain card you lose. I don't know. It feels very wild swings because of how powerful the cards are. Yeah, I was having I had to check myself. I had some pretty crabby streams. <laughs> oh, no, because I, I just don't like losing. It makes me feel bad. And like, you know, I've like done it to myself. But like putting my record on stream is sort of part of my brand now it's part of our brand as the podcast you know we do the the trophy leaderboard check-in and for better or worse but <laughs> this week it felt felt like for the worse to like have to show that to the world but whatever so what is it did you tell us oh yeah oh no i haven't told you it's us i think i'm 17 and 13 right now with one trophy so one trophy in 10 drafts and almost a 50 percent win rate there ouch so it's pretty, pretty yucky. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I doesn't feel like it's all like variants. It definitely feels like maybe some bad draft navigation certainly have have made some misplays. Cube is definitely where I make the most punts. It's just so hard. It is. There's a lot of different board states that you don't see a lot. Yeah. So we've got a pretty sweet episode today. We're going to be taking a look at an entire draft log of one of my M19 drafts that I did recently and sort of dissect the picks give us an opportunity to discuss some cards this late in the format, give us a second opportunity in the lifetime of our podcast to talk about navigating a draft with a plan. But before we get into that, we got to talk about the Patreon. And I am so excited about all of the updates we did last week. Really felt like the community embraced 
all of our Patreon tier rewards, our stretch goals. We got a lot of people giving love to the podcast. So we, we do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where you are able to give back to the show if you so choose. And we did a pretty big overhaul of all of the rewards for that. Now we've kept the Discord the same. You've heard me talk about the Discord every week. It is the place to be to talk about Limited. And as we said last week, it's getting really cool because now it feels like it's not only full of people who are draft addicts like you and me, Ben, but it's full of people who are new to Limited, who want to get better at Limited. And we've sort of cultivated this community of a lot of people who are available for you to pick their brains about your draft logs or about your final deck construction or about some what's the plays and get you better at limited, not only through this podcast, but through this community of people who are invested in getting better at limited. We've got some higher tier rewards as well. I encourage you to go over and check out all of those rewards and stretch goals at patreon.com slash Lords of limited. But we want to make sure each week that we shout out our new patrons. So this week we'd like to welcome Haldor, Edvard, Adam, John, Sam, Larry and Dan, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yes, thank you so much. I just can't wait for Guilds of Ravnica to get here to try to break that format again with the Discord. It's so much fun going through new formats with a bunch of people that are as invested in it as you are. Yeah, for sure. And we do have a question this week that we're going to be answering on air. Now, we're not going to be doing a sort of question of the week every week sort of thing, but we do have a hero tier for our our patronage for people who want to have a voice and have a a select chat with me and Ben and a few other patrons. And so we do have a, a question that we want to answer on air that I think has come up quite a bit for you and me in stream and in the Discord. And I think it's something that a lot of Magic players think about that I am excited to be able to address. And here's the question from Vendela on Discord. Asks, I know y'all are mostly MTGO players, but I think it'd be interesting to hear some discussion on the difference between MTGO drafting and paper drafting and how to navigate them. It's hard to know what to do when the pod is full of folks with lesser card evaluation skills, and then you find yourself thrown for a loop during gameplay too. Also related, what are the differences between in-pod drafting and cross-pod drafting? Ben? Yeah, that's a great question. And we've had a lot of, I can think of at least five different people that have asked that question in the Discord since we've started the Discord. And I think my general piece of advice would be that I think you're probably in danger of leveling yourself if you're going to do that. You know, even if your neighbor is not as good of a drafter as you, they're going to have to settle on a color pair or like three color wedge or something. And it's going to be apparent that they're going to be passing you cards of other colors. So I think you just still need to try to read signals. It just might be a little harder to read the signals or you might get messy signals. But I think ultimately staying open and trying to find your lane is still the best course of action, in my opinion. And then as far as in pod drafting and cross pod drafting, I think the biggest thing that comes up to me is maybe hate drafting a little bit at the ends of packs in in pod drafting and trying to pay attention to what's wheeling. So you know what you pass. So when you play against an opponent, you might know what sort of tricks or removal spells they might have access to. That's, you know, something you need to keep in mind that you don't have to worry about in leagues on MTGO at all. What about you, Ethan? Yeah, I agree 100%. The first thing you said, talking about leveling is what I would have brought up. And so to discuss what leveling is for folks who don't know, it's a concept of like thinking about levels of thinking for a game in terms of depth of knowledge of that game. So if you think of like level one or level zero as just sort of like someone who doesn't know anything, then level one is sort of like playing your own cards, doing like thinking only about what you're plays can be. Level two is then maybe you become aware that your opponent actually has a brain and maybe responding to the things that you do and and so on and so on. But you can sort of level yourself, meaning you get to a point where you think you should be doing something on a higher level because of certain circumstances, but you end up just sort of playing yourself, psyching yourself out when really you should just be doing like ABC fundamentals. And I think that really comes down to like 
don't change what you're doing just because you feel like the folks at your table are worse than you. I think that doesn't really help you out. I can't imagine what sort of how you would draft a different way if you were like, well, I think the people that on my table don't really know what they're doing. Well, how would that change how you draft the set? And I don't even know what that would be. I mean, the only thing I think you, that could change, you know, maybe if you're talking about an FNM type draft where you draft with the same eight people every week, or you draft with the same mm-hmm. 16 people every week. And maybe, you know, in Dominaria, you know that you can force mono red and nobody else knows about that deck. But I think you would have to be going into the draft with the intention of forcing to try to take advantage of that kind of thing. And I still think ultimately that's going to set you up for failure in the long run, because eventually you're going to be drafting against good drafters where you're going to need to read the table and find your lane. Totally agree. And the only other thing that I would say about hate drafting, which I think people think about far too often, and I've really enjoyed being free of having to worry about that in league drafting online. Um, But the thing you talked about at end of pack hate drafting, when you have the opportunity to, I also think if you're in pod, I would be more inclined to hate draft uh, a bomb rare, even if it's not in my colors. If I knew I was going to potentially have to face someone with that card, then I would be in leagues. In leagues, I just pass those along willy-nilly. Well, but you're only doing that if there's if the pack's blank for you, right? I mean, if there's even a C in your deck, you're probably still taking that C over the rare, right? I think it probably, that probably depends on like how many playables I have, what the nature of my deck is, how much I feel that C to be replaceable. But like, you know, if we think about cleansing Nova in M19, like I, I would be inclined to hate that just to like not have to deal with playing around a Wrath if I face that opponent, though, I guess the flip side of that is you have that information when you face the person to your left or two to your left who's in white. And then you go, oh, they probably are running Cleansing Nova. Right. So I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe I I shouldn't even be thinking about hate drafting bombs as much. That would be what I would say. Well, Ben, I think <laughs> as always, I will just have to learn from you here. All right. So I've got a draft that we're going to take a look at. We're going to do the full 45, as they say in the biz. Do they say that? I don't think so, but we can make it a thing. We're going to do the full 45 here, boys and girls. And we're going to look at every pick from this draft that I did. We're not going to be going through every single card from those picks. We'll be doing sort of our our general, like just picking the, the standouts from each pack. We'll have a link to the draft viewer for you in the sort of info when you download the podcast. So you can follow along at home if you'd like and see all the cards in each pack. But we'll just be doing a few for each pick. Ben, are you ready to take a seat? at this gigantic round table. I am ready to do it. All right, so we are in a competitive Q ultra secret invite only league. <laughs> and you sit down and see the following options for pack one, pick one. Volley veteran, three in a red for the four two that when it enters the battlefield deals damage to a creature equal to the number of goblins you control. There's not one, but two, one of them is a foil, two satyr enchanters in the pack. This is one green white for the two, two. And it says, whenever you cast an enchantment spell, draw a card. There's Lena selfless champion. This is your rare four white, white for a three, three human knight. When it ETBs, you create a one, one white soldier creature token for each non token creature you control. And you can sacrifice Lena to give creatures you control with power less than Lena's power, indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, this is an interesting first pick. I remember watching you make this on stream. I must have been home for like one of my 20-minute lunches <laughs> where I pop into your stream for a hot second. I think ultimately this boils down to Volley Veteran versus Lena because I don't really want to first pick a gold card unless it's considerably better than the single-colored options. And I think Volley Veteran and Lena are both fine options. I think the only interesting thing that you brought up, which I don't know that I would have thought about, was that since there's two times Seder Enchanter, you know, you could 
take the first one and plan on tabling the second one because I don't think, you know, the greater community at large is quite as high on that card as we are. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still think you're in danger of green or white getting cut then and that plan not working out super well. So I like trying to decide between Volley Veteran and Lena here. And I think Volley Veteran's just the best, most flexible card in the pack. Lena really has to have a board presence to be insane uh, when you cast her on six. And I think she's almost just sort of a worse Angel of the Dawn uh, in many ways. Like if you've already got a board, you'd rather be pumping your board than making more wide things generally. Mm -hmm. She's pretty expensive at six mana, uh, which is a lot for that red-white aggro deck where it feels like she would be most at home. So I think I would settle on a Volley Veteran here. Yeah, that's what I settled on as well. I I do like the green-white auras deck, but it just felt pretty loose to try and and do that thing you talked about, which is take one and hope the other wheels. My only issue here, and the only reason I like that thing, is it feels bad to take Volley Veteran. I mean, this is just a pretty weak pack. As you've noticed, we didn't mention any of the commons because none of them feel first pickable. But there's not even really any commons that you're excited to wheel like you could take volley veteran and the only red cards that you could wheel are fire elemental or crash through neither of which i am particularly excited about so i I did grab the volley veteran begrudgingly and just sort of took my lumps that this is a weak pack and i'm probably not tabling anything out of it moving on to pick two you see sky march bloodletter this is two and a black for a two two flying vampire when it etbs you drain your opponent for one druid of the cowl one and a green for a one three that can tap for a green mana disperse one and a blue for the instant to bounce target non-creature permanent to its owner's hand and militia bugler two and a white for the two three with vigilance and when it enters the battlefield you look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal a creature card with power two or less from among them and put it into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order yeah i think ultimately for me this pick boils down pretty quickly to druid of the cow versus militia bugler i think both of those cards are enough better than disperse and sky march bloodloader that they aren't really in consideration here and the best red card in the pack is onake ogre so you're certainly not pairing anything up with your first color Mm -hmm. i think The pro pick here is probably Militia Bugler because I think everyone really, really thinks that red white deck is super strong. I think that just sort of like turned into a meme just from Ben S being high on it. (laughs) Like the first three or four weeks of the format. I don't know. I do think that deck's very good when it comes together, but I think there's a lot of other good decks to draft in the format as well. Uh, For me, I don't know. I I think I like Druid of the Cowl more than Militia Bugler. Uh, White's been so overdrafted, and I don't know that I want to fight with people over white. Green's been pretty underdrafted in my experience, and I think they're close on power level. I do think red-white's probably a better color pair to be in than green-red, but I think just personally for myself, I'd be on Druid of the Cowl here while maybe acknowledging that Militia Bugler might be the quote-unquote correct pick. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot to unpack here in how you and I are responding to this pick, and I want to say that I think we're in complete agreement. One is that if this were the start of the format, I feel like knowing what we know now, if this were the start of the format, Militia Bugler seems correct because Red White is such a powerhouse deck of the format. But it has felt so overdrafted and overhyped that I just feel like steering clear of it, or at least I felt like steering clear of it a few weeks ago. I mean, you drafted M19 today. Did white feel dry again? It did feel dry again. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I've been in a place where at, at the beginning of the format, I was actively trying to steer into white because I felt like I knew that white was busted and that white's three top commons were way better than all the other commons and other people didn't know that. So still like almost 50 drafts in my top three commons, my number one drafted common is still Starcrown Stag. Wow. And I haven't drafted white in like, you know, my last 
20 drafts hardly ever. So that's just from the first 30 drafts of the format that I was trying to steer into white that hard. And now I'm actively trying to steer away from white because I feel like it's overdrafted quite a bit. Right. So I think that's part of what I'm seeing here in this pick of taking Druid to the cowl over Militia Bugler. But I also just really like Druid. Again, I'm going to harp on this a lot, but one of my big takeaways from this format is, is that two drops were so at a premium and especially good defensive two drops and especially a two drop that can get you to your fours, fives and sixes faster than your opponent. Yeah, because the fours, the fours and fives are where it's at in this format for sure. Exactly. So I grabbed the Druid here as well. Moving on to pick three. We see a star crown stag, your boy. I can't believe it's your top drafted common in the format. My top three drafted commons are busted. It's star crown stag one, aviation pioneer two, and lich's caress number three. Get out of here. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's disgusting. So we see star crown stag three and a white for the three three. Whenever it attacks, tap target creature defending player controls. Another one of your top commons, lich's caress three black black for the sorcery. Destroy target creature. You gain three life. There's a rupture spire. Not really a splash format. This is the land at uncommon ETBs tapped. You have to pay one when it enters the battlefield or sacrifice it, and it can tap for a mana of any color. And Plague Mare, one black black for the 2-2, can't be blocked by white creatures, and when it ETBs, creatures your opponents control get neg one, neg one until end of turn. Yeah, this is an interesting pick. There's a rare missing, and all three uncommons are still here, so we know somebody's taken a common over these uncommons, which is a little bit of information that we should pay attention to as we're trying to figure out what's open. Between Plague Mare and Lich's Caress, which I think are just objectively the two most powerful cards in the pack, although Starcrown Stag is very good too. Uh, actually, I think I would probably rate them like Lich's Caress, Starcrown Stag, then Plague Mare on individual power level. It feels a little bad picking Starcrown Stag after passing Militia Bugler. But I think if you had taken Militia Bugler last pick, you would be windmill slamming Starcrown's Dag here and feel pretty good about your start to your red-white aggro deck. Mm -hmm. But as it is, that sort of passing the Bugler steers me away from the Starcrown's Dag a little bit, and I'm trying to avoid white a little bit anyway. So I'm deciding between one of the two black cards here. Rupture Spire is a distant, distant, distant fourth for me. And I think I would land on Lich's Crest because I think it's a much more powerful card than Plague Mare. Much more powerful? Yeah, I, I, this was a very, you said, I really wanted to dig deeper when you were on stream. So I watched you make this pick on stream too. And you said, you know, I'm going to make a contentious pick here. Like, I think I'm going to pick Plague Mare over Lich's Crest. But you didn't say like why it was going to be contentious. And I tried to dig a little bit, but I didn't want to dig a little deeper. So let's do that now. Okay. Why, why Plague Mare? And why do you think it's contentious? And why do you think it's right to take Plague Mare? Okay, so, well, I think it's contentious because I think most people, yourself included, it seems, think Lich's Crest is a better card than Plague Mare. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so that's why I, that, I think that's where the contentious comes from. But the reason I think it is the correct pick is that Plague Mare's effect is so unique. And I see this format as having a few issues, or at least the decks that I draft end up having a few issues or run into the same sorts of things over and over again. And there are two problems. The first is a glut of expensive spells that your five drop slot can fill up so, so quickly in this format. Basically, no matter what colors you're in, maybe save for red, like red doesn't have a ton of great five drops, but every other color, you have just so many options at five mana. And while Lich's Caress, I believe to be the best common in the format, still is a five mana spell. But that's like, that's where I want to be for five mana for sure, but it still does cost five. Plague Mare's effect, while, you know, sometimes could be dead, it just does so much. And chief among those things is making you not dead to the red-white aggro deck. It's such a house against that deck. And then to top that off, like not only just being able to like enter the battlefield and kill X ones, it 
can enter the battlefield and enable attacks by shrinking all of your opponent's creatures. It can enter the battlefield post-combat to shrink creatures after you've had some altercations in combat. Can't be blocked by white creatures is certainly not an irrelevant text. I just think all of that adds up to a card that being only three mana makes it the pick for me over Lich's Caress. So my my counter argument to that would be at the start of the format, I would have slammed Plague Mare over Lich's Caress and I would have thought there would have been a significant gap in power level. But in playing, Plague Mare is consistently underperformed for me, like often to the point of me even citing it out. It just feels like the 2-2 body is generally not that relevant and it feels like the effect is only good against like a like two to three decks in the format for the most part and then once you play it once your opponent can see it coming and makes an effort to play around it either by citing out x1s or making sure they don't block with things you know where one damage or one neg one neg one is going to kill them so i've just found it pretty consistently hard to leverage that for an advantage whereas lich's caress always does the thing it says it's going to do and it's pay five mana, kill something, gain three life, which I think is a very, very strong effect in this format. And I would play like, I would happily play three to four Lich's Caresses, you know, in my five drop slot. Yeah, I guess my only problem is like in that scenario where you get to play three to four Lich's Caresses, which which I agree, I would play three to four Lich's Caresses. The problem is, is that like, I can't imagine the draft shaking out in a way where you're not either completely full on fives and you're playing like six or seven of them, or where you have like really medium to bad two and three drops and plague mare is just such i think i think it's a good creature i think it's a good card but i'm your success in m19 is uh much higher than mine so perhaps this is one of the many card evaluation leaks of my m19 game yeah, i don't know I, I i don't know how to give a better reasoning other than that when i boil it down to like an easier thing to sum up it would be like i've played with both cards and playing with lich's crest feels way better to me than playing with plague mare mm-hmm. that would be how i would summarize it like just as a gut feeling you know as opposed to like trying to dive into it that's what it boils down to is there any consideration of like once i had two lich's caresses i would take the first plague mare that sort of thing certainly certainly and that's an interesting argument that you brought up you know that you're more likely to see a lich's crest i don't know that that's necessarily true i think people pick that card pretty highly Right. I mean, I just just mean like in terms of odds of the card being opened. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we'll be able to talk about the next few picks a little quicker. But I think that's probably the most most (laughs) contentious pick. And I think I really appreciate that discussion because I'm I'm not sure which is right there. And I definitely knew when taking Plague Mare that a lot of people would disagree with that. You can feel free to tweet at us. Hashtag I'm with Ben. Yeah, please feel free (laughs) to do that. Uh, Moving on to pick four. We've got Shock single red for the instant deal two to any target rocks oracle four and a green for the four two and at etbs you draw a card gallant cavalry three and a white for the two two with vigilance when it enters the battlefield you create a two two white knight creature token with vigilance poison tip archer two black green for the two three with reach death touch and whenever another creature dies each opponent loses one life and a rare is still here a johnny's last stand we've talked about it before on the cast two white white for the enchantment whenever a creature or planeswalker you control dies you may sacrifice a johnny's last stand if you do create a four four white avatar creature token with flying and you'll be able to create that same creature token if a johnny's last stand is in your hand and a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard this enchantment 
Yeah, I think this is a pretty clear. So we've got Volley Veteran, Druid of the Cowl, and Plague Mare in our pile to recap. I think this is a pretty clear Windmill Slam Poison Tip Archer. I think it's the best card in the pack, and we've already gone green card into black card, second and third picks here. So maybe feels like black green might be open, and maybe we're just abandoning our first pick of Volley Veteran. Yeah, I agree. And I grabbed Poison Tip Archer, and I felt pretty good. I felt like, you know, if we're looking back at our like sort of archetype breakdown, that we felt like pick four, this meant that black green was open. This was kind of a signal, and I was feeling pretty good about having a Druid and having uh, what I thought was a strong black card in Plague Mare and, and moving in on, on this two-color pair. So pack one, pick five, you see the following options. There's a Skeleton Archer, three and a black for the 3-3. Three, three. When it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to any target. Doomed Dissenter, one and a black for the 1-1. One, one. When it dies, you make a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token. We can keep the Volley Veteran Dream alive with Goblin Instigator, one and a red for the 1-1. One, one. When it ETBs, you create a 1-1 one, one red Goblin creature token. And Bristling Boar, three and a green for a 4-3 and it can't be blocked by more than one creature. Yeah, I think for me, this boils down to Bristling Boar versus Doom Dissenter. I think I'm moving off Goblin Instigator. That's not going to pull me back towards Volley Veteran with not having seen good red cards yet so far in the draft. And I think one of the best things you can do in this format in green is go Drew to the Cowl into Bristling Boar. And Bristling Boar has consistently overperformed for me, and I think I would land on that here. This is another bias towards cheaper cards that I'm happy to have. And I agree that between the two four drops, Bristling Boar and Skeleton Archer, I would grab Bristling Boar. I think that card's fantastic. But again, Doom Descender has been a card that I've not been unhappy with and is, I think, a strong two drop or a fine two drop in a format where two drops aren't great and has some minor synergies. If you have some like, you know, Macabre Waltzes or uh, Abnormal Endurance or ravenous harpy that sort of thing i feel like it leaves the door open for some future picks but i could definitely see this being wrong but i'm terrified of ending up with just like only fours and fives at the end of a draft yeah but i think this two drop is one of the worst ones i don't think this is a premium two drop unless you're in black red and you've already got good shenanigans to do with it otherwise it's it's just been frequently irrelevant on the board in my experience like when my opponents play a Doom Descender, I feel I feel pretty good. Yeah, that's probably right. This is probably a mistake. I feel less strong about this being correct than I did with the Plague Mare pick. Um, so moving on to pack one, pick six, kind of a dud of a pack. There's a Submerged Boneyard. That's the blue-black dual land. There's a Hired Blade, two and a black for the three-two with Flash. There's a Sure Strike, one and a red for the instant target creature gets plus three, plus oh, and gains first strike until end of turn. And there's a Totally Lost which is four and a blue for the instant to put target non-land permanent on top of its owner's library. Yeah, I think this pick for me boils down to submerged Boneyard versus Hired Blade. Nothing else is good enough to move me off the colors that I'm drafting at the moment, which in my mind are black and green. And I think, you know, I ultimately would probably settle on Hired Blade. I just finally splashed 49 drafts in in M19 for the first time today. I had two firsts. I played three colors and I had two bog stompers in my deck and I never cast a bog stomper before. Wow. <laughs> it was a rough draft. <laughs> yeah. But I think I would land on higher blade. I think it's, you know, fine filler material uh, and I'm generally not looking to splash. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a mistake of a pick. It's sort of, I took the boneyard here, but I also feel like that's sort of in contention with my arguments all podcasts so far about like I want to take cheap cards I want to take cheap creatures and hired blade is just fine like you can often sometimes get people if they're like cracking them with their omen speaker or their druid of the cowl and that's really sweet otherwise it's just a fine body I, I should have grabbed hired blade here and and not taken the boneyard with like I don't know what I was thinking like maybe I get a what's it called the psychic symbiont or something psychic yeah. symbiont yeah I think certainly think it's defensible yeah. I, I don't I just think I would have landed on the hired blade all right move on to pack one pick seven 
There's an aviation pioneer here. That's two and a blue for the one, two. When it enters the battlefield, you make a one, one thopter. It's also daybreak chaplain as a white card, one in the white for the one, three with lifelink. Probably not taking that. And a field creeper. If we want to stay colorless, which is the two mana, two, one artifact. What do you like here? Yeah, I think worth noting also, there's zero black cards in the pack and just the naturalized as green cards. So this feels pretty bad because I'm in my mind, I'm pretty firmly black green at the moment. So I think you're just taking the best card in the pack. And I think that's Aviation Pioneer. So are you thinking that when you take Aviation Pioneer here, are you thinking blue is open? Are you thinking maybe this was just a pack full of good blue cards and I'm getting this Aviation Pioneer as a result of it? And is there any consideration to black green is probably what I want to be. I should just stay the course and take a Naturalize, which is a good sideboard card, potentially main deckable card. Do you think about that at all? I think about that a little bit, but there's some like part of my brain that imagines you know, like some power level gap. And I think Aviation Pioneer crosses the threshold for like good enough card in another color. Like I think that's in my top three blue commons. And I think a card that's in the top three commons of another color is good enough for me to pick over the naturalized when I'm not convinced that I'm black green, especially after seeing this pack where there are no really playable main deckable black or green cards to speak of. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think pick seven that Pioneer is going too late. So I grabbed that here as well. Pick eight, you've got a Talons of Wildwood. Back to a green card. This is one in a green for the aura. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has trample. And you can pay two in a green to return Talons of Wildwood from your graveyard to your hand. There's an Oresco Swiftclaw. Want to move into white for a one and a white for a three one? Probably not. There's a Disperse to follow up the blue train, one and a blue for the instant to bounce a non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Yeah, this is a tough pick here for me. Uh, I'm between Talons of Wildwood and Disperse. In my head, I'm still black green. Uh, with maybe a slight nudge towards blue from this aviation pioneer. Mm -hmm. And to me, Talons and Disperse are pretty similar on power level. Like I think I would want one Talons in most of my green decks and I would want one Disperse in most of my blue decks. And I'm at the moment much more interested in being green, thanks to my Druid of the Cowl and Poison Tip Archer, than I am in blue because of my aviation pioneer and still just like trying to sort out colors, not even at the point yet where I'm trying to figure out a plan or an overall strategy for my deck. I'm just literally trying to trying to find a lane here still. Right. And I think that would lead me towards Talons of Wildwood over Disperse. Yeah, I think that there's also a difference in that you would have grabbed Bristling Boar over Doom Dissenter. So you would have been less spread between black and green than I was at this point. But I was sort of feeling like, well, Pioneer is strong. And I do, I think you're right that Disperse and Talons are pretty close, though I do have Disperse ahead of Talons of Wildwood, just like cheap instant speed interaction is at a premium in this format. So I grabbed the Disperse here and wondered if like maybe blue was open, blue is where I was supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know. I just hadn't felt like since the Druid that there wasn't much green to speak of. Like we haven't seen a Rabid Bite. We haven't seen a Centaur Courser. The things that I would expect to see if green was what I was supposed to be in have not been coming around. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I think that's totally reasonable. All right, pack one, pick nine. On the wheel, one of the Seder Enchanters came back and there's a couple blue cards. There's a Totally Lost and a Frilled Sea Serpent. That's four blue blue for a four six and it has five blue blue as an activation to make it not be able to be blocked this turn. And there's also a Giant Spider if we want to stay green. Three and a green for a two four with reach. Yeah, this is another interesting pick here. Like Giant Spider's fine. It's not a card I'm excited about at all in green. Generally, I want to be playing creatures with high power and toughness when I'm green in this format. Although Giant Spider does do work out of the sideboard against flyers and blocks, you know, if you don't get a plummet or whatever, or you feel like you're weak to flyers. Mm -hmm. But generally, I want Bristling Boar in my four drop slot in a green deck. But that being said, I, I just don't love Frilled Sea Serpent. Like it's a pretty clunky finisher. You definitely only want one of them and you can probably pick one up 
if you want to get it. So I think I would just be staying the course here and trying to stay green. And I think I would have taken giant spider. Yeah. I wonder what would have happened signaling wise down the line, like how pack two would have turned out for you had you been the pilot and taken bristling boar talons, giant spider, that sort of thing. Cause I, th- I think that would have made a pretty significant difference in how the rest of this shook out. And I agree with all that you said about filled sea serpent, but I think it's a fine finisher. But again, like there's a lot of cards that I feel like fall under the camp of like, if blue is where I'm supposed to be, I'll get filled sea serpents. You know, I I definitely feel that to be true, but I think the same could also be said for giant spider. We're sort of just picking between medium commons at this point, but I did grab the sea serpent and I was feeling like blue is where I want it to be. Moving on, pack one, pick 10. We can sort of round out this pack. Not a ton of exciting choices. We've got a Highland game next. That's one in the green for the two one. When it dies, you gain two life. Another choice for pick 11 of a giant spider, but I was feeling like being on blue here. So I grabbed an uncomfortable chill instead. Two and a blue for the instant creatures your opponent's control get minus two minus oh until end of turn and you draw a card. Then I grabbed an anticipate. That's one in a blue to look at the top three cards of your library, draw one and put the others on the bottom of your library, another Highland game and a totally lost. So picking up some, some medium, but playable blue commons at the end of pack one, but not feeling great at all about where we're at. Got a little screenshot here in the notes about where, what things looked like at the end of pack one. And I had, you know, five medium or four medium blue commons and an aviation pioneer. And then you know, black options of a Plague Mare and a Doom Dissenter, green options of Druid of the Cowl and the Poison Tip Archer, and that submerged Boneyard not looking too bad. Now maybe we're going to be, you know, I don't know, blue, green, splash black, something like that. That That's a possibility now with a dual land. But what are you thinking now at the end of pack one about what you're looking for in the in the coming packs? I think if I had navigated the draft with my picks just in an alternate reality, I'd have been I'd have been clinging pretty hard to the idea that I was black green. When I look at these cards that are in front of me in the imager link, I'm thinking like I need to sort out what colors I'm going to be for this draft. Like I see a bunch of blue cards, but nothing very strong in blue. I feel little to no pull into black because I don't value plague mare quite as highly as you. So when I'm looking at this pile, <laughs> not like pile as in pile, this this pile of cards, when I'm looking at this pile, I'm thinking blue, green, splash, black, most likely uh, for me. Yeah. I just think playables wise, because I mean, you've only got really four playables in black and green, which is not a great spot to be. And you have playable blue cards. They're just not powerful, but maybe you've got to read on the fact that blue is open. Mm hmm. So I think I would be thinking blue green, but I'm still feeling like trying to find my lane. Like I'm not even trying to get a deck yet. I'm trying to find my lane. Ooh, can you talk about that concept a little bit? What do you mean about like not trying to find a deck versus trying to find your lane? Like I feel like this first pack was messy enough that, you know, normally, you know, when you're drafting, you want to be drafting with a plan and all that and, you know, try to draft a control deck or you're trying to draft an aggro deck or you're missing, you know, a removal spell for your deck. So you really need to try hard to pick up a removal spell. I don't even feel like we've established enough of a shell for a deck yet for me to be thinking about those kinds of things. So I'm still back at level you know, zero or however you want to think about it of like, what colors am I like, I'm trying to sort that out before I can ask those deeper questions. Like same thing, you know, in music, like, I get so irritated with other teachers, like they're, they're wanting to talk about dynamics and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but does your kid know the fingering to an F sharp? (laughs) Like, (laughs) so there's just like a base level of things that have to happen before you can get to those other questions. And I don't feel like we've answered the fundamental questions of like, what colors am I drafting in the seat? (laughs) I'm still trying to answer that for myself. Yeah, I totally agree. 
All right, so what happens at the start of pack two? At the start of pack two, you see a pack with the following options. Skyscanner, three mana for the 1-1 flyer when it ETBs you draw a card. Strangling Spores, three and a black for the instant speed, minus three, minus three to a creature until end of turn. Disperse, one and a blue, return target, non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Lightning Strike, one and a red, instant deal three damage to any target. Gargoyle Sentinel, three mana for the 3-3 three, three with Defender, and you can pay three mana to have it lose Defender and gain flying until end of turn. And your rare is Cleansing Nova, three white white for the sorcery. Choose one, destroy all creatures, or destroy all artifacts and enchantments. So Cleansing Nova is far and away the best card in the pack. I mean, this is a pretty strong pack with Cleansing Nova and Lightning Strike being, I think, the two best cards there. But Strangling Spores is also a card that I have liked quite a bit. I, I almost went off the dwindled deep end against Strangling Spores a few weeks ago, but I, I pulled myself back and I, I've liked it quite a bit. And I, I specifically like it in blue-black where you can pass with mana a lot and have options. Yeah, that's definitely where it's best. So I feel like the first question to answer is, can we go blue-white for Cleansing Nova? I think you could. I think there's an option for that. So I don't think there is because of one, white didn't seem very open in pack one, like save for the bugler and the star crown stag that we saw early. There wasn't anything else. Like we didn't see luminous bonds. We didn't see Pegasus Courser. We didn't see Angel of the Dawn, right? So I don't feel like white was open from our right. And we did pass a few good white cards in the bugler and the stag. And so I don't expect white to be crazy open this pack. I I would be very scared of taking Cleansing Nova here. I agree. I think it's scary. I would not do it. But I think there's a world where you could make an argument for it. Lightning Strike seems very far off. Like, I guess there's a world where we get Volley Veteran back in the game. We could go like blue red spells, but that doesn't seem worth it to me here well and volley veterans not going to excel in that deck right that's true yeah like you there's a lot of tension there of like well i want to add goblins but i also want spells and the goblins don't care about spells etc so then i think the question comes down to staying blue for reasons of not committing to like black or green as your second color yet and then you're grabbing like disperse or salvager both of which feel pretty bad here or the colorless option of Gargoyle Sentinel, which I thought about a lot, or just sort of taking the plunge towards the second color and Strangling Spores being probably the best of those options, which is what I landed on. But I don't know what is correct here. I think, you know, Gargoyle Sentinel is a fine colorless option if you want to postpone the decision. If I look at our pile with a Lich's Caress instead of a Plague Mare, mm-hmm. I'm like way more excited about Strangling Spores. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I didn't realize it until we were talking about this, but like there's just got to be a significant gap for me between Lich's Caress and Plague Mare because I feel no pull into black really <laughs> from Plague Mare sitting in our pile and I would feel a pretty strong pull from Lich's Caress. But regardless, I think Strangling Spores, if we're thinking about black, is enough of a better card than Gargoyle Sentinel that, that we should take it here. Yeah, and that's what I landed on. Moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following options. Sky March Bloodletter, two and a black for the 2-2 Flyer, when it ETBs, drain one, gain one. Skyscanner, three mana for the 1-1 flyer. When it ETBs, draw a card. Herald of Faith, three white, white for the 4-3 flyer. When it attacks, you gain two life. And Scholar of Stars, three and a blue for the 3-2. When it enters the battlefield, if you control an artifact, draw a card. Well, I took the Strangling Spores, and I do feel kind of bad seeing Herald of Faith because that is the card that is far and away the best in the pack. But we're pretty far away from that. And Sky March Bloodletter is a fantastic creature in this format. And I was pretty happy to see it here. Yeah, I think so. And I think you're snapping that up. And at this point, you're probably starting to feel like you're blue black. Is that safe to say? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen any green cards to speak of. So I, I feel that that is a, a safe thing to say here. Right. And so we've pa- we passed the Cleansing Nova. So after passing Cleansing Nova, we're saying we're not white. 
like that option is gone. We passed lightning strike. We're not red. And then we haven't seen any good green and we've just picked two black cards. So for me, that question of like, what are we doing that we had at the end of pack one? Now I'm in, okay, I'm blue black. And then I start to ask myself those questions of like, what am, what is my deck trying to do? What piece is it missing? What does it need? And I think in general, in this format, blue black is a control deck and you're trying to find card advantage like divination or sift and good removal and then just winning in the air or with some big fat thing like bog stomper after you've stabilized do you feel like blue black can only be a control deck is there any like world where it's a tempo deck where it leverages cheap spells like abnormal endurance and disperse and gets to take advantage of that backed up by flyers like bloodletters and pioneers and that sort of thing i certainly think so but i think that would be a more rare version of the deck and probably a little more uncommon base too like you're probably gonna have some mana wars whatever that card's called yeah in that deck etc yeah that makes sense to me moving on to pack two pick three you see another sky scanner another doom descender another bristling boar and horizon scholar five and a blue for the four four flyer with flying and when it etbs scry two so it's pretty nice to be in blue and then have horizon scholar be like the best blue card we get so far. So I I windmill slammed that here. Yep. Moving on to pack two, pick four, you see the following cards as options. Salvager of Secrets, three blue blue for the two two. When it ETBs, you can return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. Omen Speaker, one and a blue for the one three. When it ETBs, scry two. And Reassembling Skeleton, one and a black for the one one. You can pay one and a black to return it from your graveyard to the battlefield. Tap. I should have just taken Omen Speaker here. You, you, you were being generous to me on stream here when you were like omen speaker responsible pick skeleton spicy pick (laughs) sexy sexy pick pick, that's right the sexy (laughs) pick uh i did grab the skeleton here i don't know why i still have like dreams of having ravenous harpy or something skeleton is just such a sweet card in my mind it's like my kind of pet card of like just like (laughs) dirtling around wheel spinning mana sinking to get your tapped one one like it's not good i should have taken omen speaker yeah i think omen speaker is the pick here glad to hear you say that Moving on to pack two, pick five, you see the following cards as options. Another Sky Scanner, Gearsmith Guardian, five mana for the three five. And if you control a blue creature, it turns into a five five. Psychic Corrosion, the enchantment, two and a blue. Whenever you draw a card, target opponent puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. And Aerial Engineer, the blue white uncommon, two blue white for the two four. And as long as you control an artifact, it turns into a four four flyer. Yeah, Aerial Engineer was really tempting here. I mean, there was a world where we could have gone Cleansing Nova into Herald of Faith and then got an Aerial Engineer and maybe been able to salvage a decent blue-white deck with those very powerful cards. But that ship has sailed, as we said. So I think Gearsmith Guardian is the best option here. I'm still not on the Psychic Corrosion train, and we don't really have any card draw spells to speak of at the moment anyway. I absolutely agree. I think Gearsmith Guardian is a fine finisher in any blue-black deck. I would, however, if Psychic Corrosion Wheels slam it for the sideboard. I think that card's super strong out of the sideboard in the control mirror. Moving on to pack two, pick six. You see the following cards as options. Star Crown Stag, three and a white for the three, three. When it attacks, you can tap target creature and opponent controls. Another Scholar of Stars, a Dwindle, two and a blue. Enchanted creature gets minus six, minus zero. And when it blocks, destroy it. And Suspicious Bookcase, two mana for the 0-4 with Defender, and you can pay three tap. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. Star Crown Stag making me feel pretty sad. So at this point, there's something that I'm thinking about, which is that like there's been a Scholar of Stars in a lot of packs, and I know you don't much care for that card, but I think it's totally fine. I've, c- I've come around. I've come up on that card a little bit. Ooh, perhaps a point? For Ethan is in order. I don't know. I don't. I don't know about point worthy, but I. I, I do respect that card a little. Half bit more. a point. Half a point. Excellent. Half a point rounds <laughs> up to one point. That's why I think there's some scholar stars floating around, and I have drafted in a way where like my curve isn't 
pretty full at like four or five, like the Gearsmith Guardian didn't feel that bad. So taking Suspicious Bookcase here, which is a card that I think you and I were pretty high on, or maybe I was higher than you in the set review. I think I gave... No, I was pretty high on it too. I gave it like a B minus. That card just like hasn't done what I wanted it to do in this format, really. I agree. But it is a fine to bad two drop that can trigger my fine to bad four drop scholar of stars, which I am <laughs> Living the excited dream. about comboing off with. So I, I grabbed bookcase here. Well, that's important to note too, that you're planning on wheeling scholar of stars. Like you're, so we're already drafting with a plan again. Now, like we're locked into blue black. We're trying to get a deck together and suspicious bookcase is a piece of that deck. That's going to allow us to wheel other playable cards since we dirtled around so much in pack one trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Right. Moving on to pack two, pick seven, you see the following cards as options. Skeleton Archer, three and a black for the three, three, when it ETBs one damage to any target, another Gearsmith Guardian, and Diamond Mare, two mana for the one, three, when it ETBs, choose a color. Whenever you cast a spell of the chosen color, gain one life. Yeah, I like Diamond Mare. I like it as a two drop. I like it as another artifact that will help trigger these Scholar of Stars that I hope to wield. So I grabbed that here. Yeah, I think this is a close pick for me between all three of these, but I think I would ultimately settle on Diamond Mirror. I've been consistently impressed by that guy as a two drop. Yeah. Moving on to pack two, pick eight. Do you see the following cards as options? Vampire Neonate, single black for the O3 with two tap. Drain and gain one. Salvager of Secrets, three blue blue for the two two when ETBs return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. Elvish Rejuvenator, two and a green for the one one when ETBs reveal the top five of your library. And if there's a land among them, put it onto the battlefield tapped. And finally, Ether Shield Artificer, three and a white for the three three. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, target artifact creature you control gets plus two plus two and gains indestructible until end of turn. So do you feel like we missed the boat on a blue white artifact deck? Uh, yes. Uh, but I, the only way to get into that in my mind would have been either if you'd taken Militia Bugler, it would have been a lot easier to pivot into that deck. Like if you'd gone in pack one picks two and three, if you'd taken Militia Bugler and Starcrown Stag. But I also still think there was a glimmer of a chance if you'd taken a flyer on pack two pick one Cleansing Nova. And if you had taken that flyer, I think you'd have been a rewarded handsomely. But I do think Strangling Spores back at pack two pick one was the more disciplined pick than Cleansing Nova. But I think as it turned out, Cleansing Nova that route would have worked out better. Yeah. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that the reason it would have worked out is due to the fact that so many good uncommons for that deck were opened. Like we're looking at Herald of Faith, we're looking at Artificer, we're looking at Aerial Engineer, like all of those cards that could just not get opened. Like the fact that they get passed to us makes me think Blue White is open, but they, they might not have just been opened. Yes. I don't feel bad about not having taken that Cleansing Nova. I think in the world we lived in, we did the most disciplined thing and like got into a deck and now we're trying to do our blue black deck. You just can't live in the past. Like that's one of the, th- if I've learned nothing else from you and I've learned a lot of things from you, the number one takeaway from you is that like when we're drafting, we're focused on the current pick with what we've got and making the best decisions with all the information we've got up to this point. That is, yes, as you know, one of my like principal philosophies of drafting, but being able to do this deep dive in retrospect, I, I think it's interesting for me to track like what might've happened and if there was a way for me to perhaps take advantage of it in the moment. But I agree with you. I don't think there was. I grabbed Salvager of C- here. I think I really like Vampire Neonate a lot, but we don't have anything that wants us to be gaining life. And so it's just a one mana 03, which is good. And it's a mana sink. And I like those in blue black because I often want to run 18 lands. But I think Salvador is pretty sweet. We've already got Disperse and Strangling Spores. And if we were you, we would have had a Lich's Caress, which would have been sweet. So I, I grabbed the Salvador here. 
Yeah, I think so. Moving on to pack two, pick nine. You see the following cards as options, Disperse or Salvager of Secrets. Yeah, I grabbed Salvager number two over Disperse number two. I could see this being wrong, but I really, really, really want the first Disperse, but I don't know how strongly I feel about the second Disperse. And Salvager of Secrets is kind of like a second Disperse. Yeah, and I think it's higher upside too. I think I would have landed on Salvager of Secrets here because if you get a Lich's Crest, you're going to be pretty happy about having two Salvagers of Secrets in your deck. Right, yeah. The pack rounds out with pick 10 Scholar of Stars, pick 11 Bristling Boar, pick 12 a Woodland Stream over Salvager of Secrets. And I think that's a nod to maybe splashing Poison Tip Archer, uh, which is looking very strong in your deck with your reassembling skeleton wombo combo. Yes. And pick 13 Frilled Sea Serpent, pick 14 you wield one of those Scholar of Stars, which is probably going in the deck, I would bet. And pick 15 a Gearsmith Prodigy. Yeah. So felt like we kind of salvaged some stuff there. No pun intended. Um, But if we take a look at the imager link of what I I was feeling like were my playables we're now up to 16 playables at the end of pack one sort of lacking some core pieces of a deck like this like no macabre waltzes no abnormal endurance no grave digger no card draw spell yet to speak of to sort of beef up those salvagers and no catch-all removal no lich's caress which is certainly something that i want to have but you know we do have a number of artifacts to help trigger the two scholar of stars so we've got some card draw there we've got some nice evasive threats with horizon scholar and sky march bloodletter I-, I think this deck doesn't look so embarrassing at the moment no. And let me ask you this. If you could cash in Plague Mare for a Lich's Caress right now, would you? Yeah, I would. And so one of the other things I think is, you know, Plague Mare does do a good job punishing those X1s and the red-white aggro decks, but I think you can just do that with cards like Omen Speaker and Diamond Mare too. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this deck. If I take Plague Mare out, like, I'm fine against the aggro deck. I have Doom Dissenter. I have Skeleton. I have Diamond Mare to gain life and block. I have got Aviation Pioneer, which also punishes X1s. Like, I'm doing fine. I really want Lich's Caress right now. So just just more food for thought. Yeah, half point for you. <laughs> Rounding that baby up. All right, so we're going to dive into pack three here. We're really only going to be touching on the cards that are in our colors, which I think are blue-black with maybe a slight nod to being able to splash green with the couple dual lands that we have. So pack three, pick one. You see the following options. There's a Star Crown Stag. Just want to point that out. It makes me feel bad. Uh, there's another Salvager of Secrets. There's a Meteor Golem, which is seven mana for the 3-3 when it ETBs. You destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls. And your rare is Open the Graves, three black black for the enchantment. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Yeah, it's just not very good. Uh, there are a lot of things that have to go a certain way in the game state for Open the Graves to even be like mediocre and a lot has to go a certain way for it to be good. I think you're just slamming Meteor Golem here. Your deck wants to get to the late game and you need removal spells and it's a windmill slam dunk, I think. Yep. Pack three, pick two cards in contention. We've got a Sky March Bloodletter and a Snapping Drake. That's three and a blue for the three, two flyer. Yeah, I think between those two cards, you're just, they're both similar things, but Sky March Bloodletter just does it better. It's a mana cheaper and they're both flying threats and Sky March Bloodletter buffers your life total a little bit. I just think it's a more efficient card. Mm-hmm. Pack three, pick three. You've got that choice again between Sky March Bloodletter and Snapping Drake, but there is also a Sift in the pack, which is three and a blue for the sorcery to draw three and then discard a card. Oh, baby. I think I'm on Sift here like 10 out of 10 times, especially with the two Salvager of Secrets in my deck, and we don't have much way to get card advantage in our deck yet, do we? 
Well, except for the two Scholar of Stars. Yeah, I don't know how reliable that's going to be. And I think I would be much happier to replace one of those Scholar of Stars with a Sift. Yeah. I think I would land on Sift here. I think this is a mistake. So here, I took the Sky March Bloodletter here, and I think that is a mistake looking at what we're looking at now. I think at the time, I was sort of worried about the power level of this deck. This seemed like a very weak blue-black deck. Like, I've had really good blue-black control decks, but they usually have some kind of bomb or a lot more of those value pieces that I was talking about before, like Macabre Waltz and Endurance and Switcheroo or something like that, or Lich's Caresses. And I just didn't have any of that here. And I was worried about just maybe trying to lean into, like, I've got my two drops for my defensive speed, and then I can use the Sky March Bloodletters to win in the air. But I don't know if that's good enough. I don't know. That makes sense to me. That's a reasonable argument. I just think the power level on Sift is higher than Sky March Bloodletter, and I think it fills a role that our deck is lacking if we're trying to be a blue-black control deck. Next pack is kind of a miss. Uh, pick four, we've got a Walking Corpse, one and a black for a 2-2. Manolith, three mana for the artifact that can tap for a mana of any color. And another Rupture Spires, the land that can tap for any mana but enters the battlefield tapped and you have to pay for. Yeah, I think I would be on Manolith here over Rupture Spire. We've already got plenty of defensive speed in the two drop slot, so we can rule out Walking Corpse. And I think if we're thinking about playing these Scholar of Stars, you know, Manolith ramps us uh, to some of our bigger threats and also is an artifact that we can play on three on curve to landing a Scholar of Stars on turn four to draw us a card. So I think that gives it the nod for me over Rupture Spires. Yeah, 100% agree. Should have taken Manolith here. I grabbed Rupture Spires. Pick five, you've got Snapping Drake versus Scholar of Stars versus a newcomer, Bone Dash. Two blue blue for the instant counter target creature spell draw card. Yeah, Bone Dash is a dream for this deck. It does a lot of things that you want. In a blue-black control deck, it's good to hold up on four with strangling spores. Works really well. You know, if you can get to a point where you're stable and you can get it back with Salvager of Secrets, you just feel like a million bucks. Um, I think it's exactly what the doctor ordered for this deck. 100% agree. Pick six, we see another Skeleton Archer, an Avon Wind Mage, two in a blue for the 2-2 Flyer, and when you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, and an Essence Scatter, one in a blue for the instant to counter target creature spell. Yeah, I think just best card here is Essence Scatter by Country Mile, and I think we're snapping that up premium two drop. Yeah, for sure. Pick seven, we see another Salvager of Secrets. You could have just salvaged all the secrets here. <laughs> <laughs> so many secrets. We finally get to see some graveyard interaction with Macabre Waltz, one in a black for the sorcery to return two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand and then discard a card. Explosive apparatus, single mana for an artifact where you can pay three and tap it to deal two to any target. And there's a Hiromancer's Cage. Did you say that? I didn't say that, but like, are we going to take Hiromancer's Cage here? We're not, but it looks so good. You just feel sad about it. You just feel a little sad. Yeah. I think we're snapping up Macabre Waltz. We get to live the Salvager of Secrets Macabre Waltz dream. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I was pretty happy to see that. Pick eight, you've got the choice between another frilled sea serpent and a plummet, one in a green for the instant destroy target creature with flying. Yeah, I think for me here, I feel like we're maybe lacking in finishers a little bit for our blue black deck. So I think I would be on frilled sea serpent over, you know, a potentially splashed card like plummet. Although we don't have tons of removal so i can see the argument for plummet too yeah i was thinking our fixing was there like i have a rupture spires and the dual land i think at this point i was thinking i'm set on playables i definitely felt like i wanted to run 18 lands in this deck with like 
the double salvager of secrets and the macabre waltz now definitely made me feel like I wanted to run 18 lands. So I didn't think that a second filled sea serpent was super necessary, but you are right. We are kind of light on finishers. I just felt like my interaction was kind of lacking and a plummet out of the board could have been clutch. Sure. Yeah, I think you can make an argument both ways. Nothing of note in pick nine except star crown stag wield. How did that happen? White felt so cut in pack one. I know. Yeah, that was a really shocking turn of events there. I I just grabbed it out of spite and rounded out the pack by picking up just a a bunch of, you know, fine cards that I don't think ended up making the main deck. Two snapping drakes, a walking corpse, and a Talarian scholar. Yeah, sweet draft. I think there was a lot of interesting decision points along that draft. Yeah, I'm really happy that we got to talk about this draft on the podcast because I feel like I learned a lot about like how I navigated it and also about perhaps it feels like I kind of soft forced this deck. A little bit, yeah. I think I could have stuck with green a little bit more and I could have not avoided white as much, I think. And and either of those would have yielded potentially better decks. What I would really like to know the answer to is if I had taken my route through pack one, if green would have flowed in pack two or not, because it definitely did not in this version of the draft, in your version of the draft. So if I had taken a few more of those green cards, if I would have gotten hooked up in green or if I would have been like in even deeper trouble than you were. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of decisions are so important to, to think about. I feel like people People try and think about things in a vacuum. They like want feedback on drafts. It's hard to look at what you would do differently beyond the first eight picks because beyond the first eight picks, what you take has such a huge impact on what the rest of the table is doing. And I think people forget that sometimes. Yep. You can really only go eight picks deep. That was sweet. I'm really glad that we got to do that. I appreciate all of your feedback and I appreciate you uh, putting me up against it for some of those picks. No, yeah, it was cool. And I think a good lesson there too, you know, even more so than drafting with a plan was like, we were in rough shape at the end of pack one. Mm -hmm. And just like having the discipline to buckle down, find your colors. And then once you've committed to some colors, you know, make sure then you're trying to draft a deck. ABCs, we got to do the A's first. Got to do the A's first. I I should, I'm sure people at home want to know what the record of that deck was. We went 1-1 in the comp queues. We beat a a strong blue-red spells deck in round one in three games and lost to a pretty nutty blue-white artifacts deck with Psy Master Thopterist in round two. Yeah, awesome. I think that'll that'll do it for us this week. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels. He made a resurrection. He was in my Twitch chat today. I haven't seen him in so long. Thank you so much for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. We may have more Salty Pretzels music for you in the future for some coming projects for Lords of Limited, so stay tuned for that. Also, the M19 Treasure Hunt is completed done next week we will have the winners from the m19 treasure hunt and we have a date for the 15 hour stream drum roll drum roll please (laughs) october 16th is the 15 hour stream at 9 a.m to midnight it's a tuesday i know everyone just like request off of work now call in sick come (laughs) hang out it's gonna be great we're gonna be slamming guilds of ravnica it'll be early in the format It's going to be sweet. It is going to be great. I'm excited to do it like at the start of a new format as opposed to cubing like we usually do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, If you want to get in touch with me and Ben, you can find us on Twitch. Ben was streaming today, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. We are under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can also tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. And if you're jonesing for more content in your life, Ethan has a sweet preview article for the guilds of ravnica mechanics on card sphere check it out thank you so much for that plug ben thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later 
Well, now I want to go back and do it again. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Uh, where, 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 where do I start? I'm sorry. We'll just have to, we'll have to start the episode over again. <laughs> oh my God.